This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. And welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Today's guest is the leading expert on how to leverage podcast guesting for increased brand awareness, more leads, and higher profits. She created the podcast booking industry in 2013 when she founded Interview Connections, the first and leading agency of its kind. Along with her business partner, Margie Feldhun, she has quickly scaled Interview Connections to over $1 million in annual revenue with nearly no direct marketing or advertising, something many of us entrepreneurs would love to be able to do. She's the author of Interview Connections, How to Rock the Podcast from Both Sides of the Mic, which is what we're going to do today. She's an active member in her community. She volunteers at her son's public school and mentors a 17-year-old girl in foster care, which is just just terrific. I, I look at that and think anything we can do to help the youth and coach to foster to help them out is just really awesome. She lives in Rhode Island, which is right next to where I grew up in Connecticut with her husband, two kids, and her senior cat named Kitten. Uh, very creative. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll get into that. Please welcome to Leading from the Front, Jessica Rhodes. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Dr. Gray. I'm so excited to be here talking about leadership because, I mean, especially with all of your experience in business and in the Army, you are you are the expert here in leadership. So I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, and uh, I'd like to point out that all we have to be is our own expert for our own leadership capabilities. And if we can do that, then we can raise everybody's leadership capabilities. And that's what we'll try to do today. So let's hear a little bit about how did you get to this idea of the podcast connections, interview connections, and and, and go back into your history a little bit, talk about that. And uh, let's, let's talk about the path that, that brings you to where you are today. Yeah, I started my business because I wanted to be an at-home mom. It really is as simple as that. I was working for a nonprofit organization, actually in the door-to-door canvassing field. I was the rare breed of door-to-door fundraising and community organizing. And after I got married and was pregnant with our first child, I just... Uh, there was a switch that flipped for me. And I said, I want to be home. I do not want to have a baby be home for a few weeks or a few months and then put him in daycare. So I made the decision right then and there that I was going to be home. And then I I called up my parents and my, my dad, who's an entrepreneur and a business coach. And I said, I'm going to be at home. 
don't really know how I'm going to make money. And my parents were thrilled because they really supported me, you know, being fully present and home with, with their grandkids. And my dad told me about starting a business, starting a virtual assistant business. And that's what I did. I started a VA business and my dad was my first client and he really showed me the ropes. He put me to school, you know, he said, go through his virtual, you know, business school. He said, read my books, go through my courses on marketing and I'll show you how to do this. And the rest is kind of history. One of the first things I did was book him on podcast as a guest expert. And I just fell in love with the work of bringing people together for these conversations. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot of decisions that you made along the way. Right. And I, I uh, really commend you for making that decision. We did the same thing when my kids were growing up. I think having a parent at home is look, live in a smaller house, buy smaller cars and have somebody stay home because it's so important for the kids to have that kind of stability. And I also love it when grandparents end up taking some responsibility with that and helping out. So the family unit is so, so important for the development of those kids. Nothing more important than that. So thank you for doing that and making that decision. But how did you, how did you get from, so you, your dad helped you out think through it, but how did you get to the podcast thing? Like with your dad? I mean, that's kind of weird. I mean, it's just, did it just pop into your head one day or how did that happen? Yeah. My dad started his podcast, which is now called dream business radio. It was first stick like Lou radio. He started that probably a year before I came into having a business. So he had already been using podcasting. In fact, a friend of his told him about this strategy. He says, you know, Jim, I don't like getting on planes and going to speak and having to be traveling all the time in order to get in front of an audience. So I do podcast interviews. And that's what got my dad to start using podcast interviews. And it had been going really well for him. And when I came into the business, helping him with client support and social media marketing and things like that, he goes, Jessica, I think that you'd be really good at this. Why don't you get me booked on some shows? And so I started doing it for him. And then he referred some of his friends to work with me. So I started booking them on podcasts. And it was really a few months into the business. My son was sleeping a little bit less. I had a little bit less time to do work. And I'm like, how can I grow my business? How can I make more money with not without just clocking more hours or, you know, raising my prices and work more, you know, charge more per hour. And so my dad coached me through actually starting a business around podcast booking, which was, I mean, it was new. Nobody was offering a service to book podcast interviews. It was a brand new concept. So it really was sort of a risk. My, you know, ignorance is bliss. It was my naivete served me well because if I had known how difficult it is to grow a business and grow a business that nobody had started before, where there's no standards around how much you pay people, what do you charge? I probably wouldn't have done it. So I'm really glad that I was 25 and pretty naive. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Sometimes, well, Zig Ziglar calls it intelligent ignorance. Okay. Yes. So you've got enough intelligence to kind of figure some things out, but enough ignorance to not be afraid of it. Exactly. <laughs> I completely agree with that. <laughs> Yeah. So, so you, you stretched yourself and, and you, you dove into it and you got into it and you, you learn as you went along. Uh, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced, not just in for yourself, but you've built a business. You've got other people in building that business that work for you now and adding staff and uh, having policies and procedures. And, you know, you, if you do all that crap that entrepreneurs hate to do, right? Oh yeah. Um, how did all that come about? I mean, when you had to first hire your first person or you've got your partner that works for you, how do talk a little bit about how all of that came about? Yeah. I mean, the first big challenge was around just like 
who do you hire? How much do you pay them? What are their metrics? What are they doing for you? I mean, the first person that I brought in was just a virtual assistant, someone that had more business experience than I did. And I remember her name was Angie Fisher. And I was like, Angie, you've been having your MBA business for years. Please help me. <laughs> Please get me set up. Project manage. So I found somebody else that could work for me on a contract basis, helping me set up a lot of basic systems and structures. But the challenging part and kind of the you know failure moment was I was paying her like 30 bucks an hour. And I was charging maybe 50 bucks a month for my services. So really, when it came down to it was cash management and knowing how much to charge for my services, how much to pay people who would help me in the business and, you know, help me deliver the service. So for many years, it was it was a push and pull of how much am I charging? What am I paying people? You know, do you pay more for someone that's going to bring more experience to the table and need less training? Or do you bring in the person that's super cheap, but you have to do a lot more training and mentoring of them to, you know, deliver the service at the level you want it to be delivered at. So that was like the biggest challenge for the first couple of years. Well, for the first several years. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what, what does, what, uh, in looking at those decisions and we all have those decisions, I'll tell you in our professional services, I've got five statarians that work for me. Uh, now these are all very experienced high level trainers, but the, the most important question I always ask myself when I bring on a new team, when I bring on a new team member is how is this person going to add value to the brand of Staterius? Mm -hmm. So when you've got somebody that's inexperienced, there are certain aspects of what they can do for you. I think that will work very nicely, but there's other things that you don't want them touching, mm -hmm. right? You don't want to take the chance that they're going to hurt your brand. Did you have some, challenges with that, that you had to overcome, that you had to recognize as you've you know, built this business over the last seven years? Absolutely. So for the first several years, I only had 1099 contractors. And one of the biggest challenges was it was such a mix of uh, people and people that had different priorities and levels of ability and availability. And so I remember there would be contractors who did a very good job, delivered a lot of bookings and all that. But then they would say, I'm going to be gone for September because I'm traveling the world <laughs> and just be like clocked out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I grow a business, a sustainable business where my clients are getting great service with the team that I can actually manage and control? Because I had people working all different hours, delivering at different levels. It was sort of it, at the end of it, it kind of came to a, a little bit of a mess. And so in 2017, I transitioned from a labor model of all contractors who would just send me that invoice at the end of the month to having all in-house employees, which kind of started probably my most intense leadership development journey of all <laughs> of my life going into having employees in-house. So talk a little bit about the difference when you made that shift from 1099 to employees. Take me through kind of some of the thinking and what happened with you that that shifted the way you communicate with them, the expectations, all of that stuff, because it, you're, you're talking about a lot of complexity here when you do that. Yes, there there's a lot to unpack with this conversation. So let me so. just share our first, I will tell mm -hmm. you, but my first employees, you have to have policies, right? Yes. So our first policy, the very first policy that we created, that if you're working after five o'clock, you have to have an adult beverage in your hand. Now that's <laughs> a small company policy. Now we don't force people to follow the policy, but it's highly recommended. <laughs> if we're working after five, I'm going to have a beer. I'm just saying. Okay. That's so great... how about you, Jessica? <laughs> yeah. So we never did that policy, but <laughs> ah. 
So one of the, the first things I did that I, I feel like was a good decision that I always give people the step. There were definitely mistakes learned along the way, and I'll share those as well. But we, I, I brought in an HR specialist, um, and I still work with the same person today, Carmen Torres. And she's a contract HR consultant because I knew that moving from contractors to employees, it's like there's just so – there's labor laws and – overtime and there's so much to it. I'm like, I don't know what I don't know. So Carmen came in, she created our employee handbook, um, you know, got everything set up for us because you, we wanted everything buttoned up. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to move from contractors to employees is because I was always scared of kind of breaking labor laws. I I don't want to treat a contractor like an employee because they're not one, they're not getting the same benefits that someone has when they're W2. So I really wanted to do everything the right way. So she really helped us um, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I've heard this a couple of times now, and I, I I love this for a lot of entrepreneurs to hear this. You engaged your dad as a coach yeah, to try to start a business. You engaged a, a virtual assistant expert, a woman that, that mm-hmm. supported you, helped you and, and taught you about that. You you hired an HR expert to help you with that. I think that the, there's a message in all that, isn't there? Yeah. There's a message that says, you know, reach out to people that can coach and mentor you so that you can accelerate your development. And I always say that it takes five to 10 years for you to become a mediocre manager. And the way you accelerate that is through expert coaching and training. I mean, we develop leaders, we don't train them. And that development can be accelerated. And what you've done, you know, a lot of people should listen to this because it's not the things you know that'll get you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the things you don't know. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, working with experts is has been a huge part of my growth and success in the business because uh, one lesson that I've heard is it's not the how, it's the who. Whenever we're trying to figure out how to do something, usually the answer is who can do it for you or who can help you do it. And and that's a leader's question. Mm-hmm. What you just said, who can do it for me? When I was a VP of a different positions in an organization, the first thing would come across my desk. My immediate thought was not, how do I get this done? It's who can I give it to? Yes. And, and when I coach, when I coach CEOs and executives today, that's exactly, I said, this is the first question you should be asking yourself anytime something is presented to you. So I I love that for you to be able to do it at such a young age is, is remarkable. I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, I, I know how old you are because you've given me enough information about when you started the business, but, uh, it, you you demonstrate a lot of wisdom in that in, in starting a business and being able to build it because uh, being in a million dollars a year business for yourself and growing it from nothing puts you in the you know the top like three or four percent of businesses in the country that by itself. So what's happened since? I mean, so you 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 decide in 2017 to get employees. Yeah, you, you you get your employee manual. This is <laughs> got my employee manual because everybody's got to have an employee manual. Yeah. So what have you seen happen in the last three years with your business? What's that done for you by having employees? And what do you find to be the biggest challenges for you now um, with uh, with everything that's going on in, in present day uh, uh, leadership? Oh, my gosh. Actually, just hearing you say the last three years literally blew my mind because it feels like it's been 10 years since we hired employees because it's it's so it's just dramatically transformed how the business how the business is and was i mean it's actually it's created a real it's a company now right so before i had employees and it was contractors it was like Jessica Rhodes does podcast booking and her website does interview connections and there's this team, right? It was sort of, it was like 
me, <laughs> basically, with, with a small team. And now it is bigger than me. It is not my brand. It is actually a real business. And it is yeah. it is bigger than me. I, I don't know how else to say it, but it has transformed into an actual company where it's not just my face with like people behind me that like people know that they do the work, but I don't show them at all. It's like now we actually have a whole team. So it's really made it uh, quite, you know, a legacy. <laughs> Yeah. So when, when you, when you say, talk a little bit about what you mean when you say it's bigger than me and, and, and there's a, there's a feeling that comes with that. Right. A, a, and there's an expansion mm-hmm. of thought with that, right. An expansion of, of sharing uh, this responsibility with the employees, you, you know, you know, yeah. so, what the- so, I mean, when it was just me and, and a team, it was like the, the personality and the feeling of the business was, was a reflection of like, my personality. And now that we have a whole team, I mean, not only do I have a business partner, I brought in Margie as co-owner in 2018. Um, so now it was a reflection of both of us. But now that we have a whole team and we have over 23 full-time employees now, the the personality of the business is a reflection of everyone in it as opposed to just Jessica Rhodes's business. Um, and And you know, I can see that with the types of clients we attract and the types of clients that that we love working with, they will personally connect with their booking agent. You know, they will love working with John. They will love working with Kelly or fill in the blank of whoever agent that they're working with. So it's not just me, but it's actually a whole company. And and one of the things that I want to share that really helped with that is we established core values for the company. Because up until we established core values, which was about a year ago, we would hire people based off of skill and relevant work experience. And they seem really great, like a hard worker, but we would have people that seemed great and they would do a great job for three, four months. And then they would quit because they'd rather be babysitting. And we were like, how did, how did we hire somebody that would rather be babysitting? I- <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? And so, so we, we said, okay, we need core values, right? So now when we hire people, we say, are you going to be all in on this? Do you value excellence? Like we are going to push you to be your absolute excellent, most excellent self. So we established these core values and that made it so we're not just hiring based on skill and like, do they seem like a good hard worker? But we always talk about those values and that's really helped us come closer as closer together as a team. Well, it sounds like excellence is one of those core values. Yes, it is. Right? So keep, <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep, give them all to me. Okay, give me okay, okay. Just give me the values. So yeah. Yeah, we have all in excellence, leadership, authenticity, and integrity. Okay. And communication. Did I say communication? Because uh, that's definitely one of them. No, you Okay, didn't. great. That's a six. That's We've right. got six. <laughs> okay. So how do you, how do you, in your organization, how do you get people that you got you get a new person to come in and you share, you know, you based on your interview techniques and approaches, you kind of do the best you can to match their personal values to the values of the company. Okay. Everybody gets that now. I hope. In fact, my LinkedIn message to yesterday was talking about promoting and hiring sales leaders based on two values, humility and service, service to the team and then the customer and then humility, modesty, because they need to serve the team. So those values are really important in the individual. How do you go about hiring people to match those values? What is there a special way that you interview them? To, to do you have them do a podcast? <laughs> what, what do you? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we look at like 
you know, all in, for example, is a really important core value. I like to look at how long have they been with previous jobs? Like it is a huge red flag if somebody's hopped from job to job every couple of months. It doesn't show that they've really dedicated to something long term. So that's that's definitely something that we look at. Um, I mean, excellence, like I'm obsessed just like as a person with people living to their full potential. I don't like to see people kind of just like doing the bare minimum or just like having a media, like having a culture of mediocrity. I absolutely hate. So that's where the excellence comes in is like, are you always going to strive to be better and better? And so we like to talk to people about that, like where in their life are they working to be better? You know, we're, we're hiring for a salesperson right now. And, and I did a Facebook post about, it. I said, we want people that value personal and professional development. They value their physical and mental health because if somebody you, I don't think you can show up to a job for eight hours a day and be your best. If you're going to, you know, clock out and go lay on the couch and watch TV and, and drink for the rest of the night, like that doesn't match up with excellence, you know? So we like people that get up and work out in the morning and are reading and consuming content that's helping them be better as a full person. Um, so we kind of like to look for the those, those habits in life to see if they're actually living those values in their personal life as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to take notes on that. I'm going to stop watching TV and drinking. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I do love TV. (laughs) (laughs) Once in a while though. It's okay. Once in a while. Exactly. But no, I I understand what you're saying because your definition of excellence has a lot to do with lifelong learning, always improvement and living. I've often told people that my greatest fear in life is that I wouldn't live up to the God-given gifts that I was given. Mm -hmm. And and I've I've tried to live up to that my whole life. Sometimes I've done a good job with it. Sometimes I haven't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we all, we all have that, but you know, I engineering degree, United States army manufacturing with Parker and Gamble, Scott paper, doing all this stuff, starting a business and getting my doctorate at 55 years old, certified meditation instructor. Oh my gosh. I uh, love that. (laughs) Certified tennis professional. I mean, I can tell you like all of these things because you know, they interest me. I I, want to get better at it. And I, those things that interest me, I want to do really, really well. Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love that. We're big like meditation fans. Well, I'll I'll be like, I use the insight timer app. So I'll send meditation to my team. I'm like, try this. This will help you. Right there. I I love it. it. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've been meditating regularly for for 10 years now. I started a long time ago, but uh, I I do this with exact, it's actually part of our leadership program. We, we teach meditation. I love it. um, Because so many leaders struggle with the chatter in their head and being able to focus and when we have so much going on in our lives now, you, you add on top of that, like for yourself, the running of a business and you've got, you know, a hundred things going on, you know, how do you work through those priorities? Well, what will stop working through those priorities and just quiet your mind mm-hmm. and you will find it'll come to you. Right? Oh, I, I totally agree with that. I, I love it. It's like somebody described it as it's, it's the exercise for your brain. It's so, so important. It is a muscle to be able, we all have the voice in our head, right? We all have that, but to be able to quiet it down is an incredibly important skill when you're a leader. It is. And I, when I coach, I, I can tend to be a little blunt uh, because I'm, I'm talking to uh, executives at all levels, presidents and CEOs, and they tend to have uh, strong personalities. And I, and I say, you know, you, they, they'll tell me that they're challenged with that chatter all the time. It's going all the time. I said, well, you know what the problem is? And they say, what's that? I said, you know, you have an undisciplined mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, meditation is a way to learn to discipline our mind so that I can be in control of it rather than it being out of control. I, I right? love that. 
Yeah. So, so where, where are you today with it? I, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw a plug in here because I, I met you through a request through my podcast, people that said, Oh, connect up with uh, Jessica and her team. And um, you represent people that want to get on podcasts. Mm-hmm. So your service costs me nothing yeah. for me anyway. I mean, I'm sure that you have a program mm-hmm. that it could, but you're representing clients that come to me. And I, I, I want to say that one of the things that I do is I balance my podcast between men and women. I have half, half of the uh, leader guests. I have our men, half the leader guests. I have our women. And, and I don't, I'm going to tell you why Jessica, because I found out and I'm, I, I have statistical background that can prove this. And I'm sure you can confirm it from your experience. 50% of the population are women. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah. know that? <laughs> yes. I, who, who would have guessed? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So I want to have leaders with, you know, with both and a lot of diversity. So that's one of the things that I'm, I'm working on. And you're helping with that. Uh, I, a couple of months ago, your team, I just wrote a note to one member of your team saying, I need more women. I want to be able to have every other guest as a woman. And your team was amazing in response. I mean, it was like within two days, I got all these emails from people. It's like, I swear, it was like they were all sitting in the same room, yelling across the cubicle, <laughs> telling each other, hey, Dr. Gary needs guests. We need to get a woman. I got like 10 women in like Oh my gosh, Dr. Gary, awesome. I see those that's in our virtual Slack room and I see that we have a channel for it. And I just really want to commend you for that because it's very, I can, as a woman, you know, it's very impactful when I see other women in leadership and where I want to be. When Margie and I wanted to grow to seven figures, we joined a mastermind group with women entrepreneurs who are at seven figures. I know there are groups with men, but there were plenty of men doing that at that level. But for me, I had to be in a room of people that looked like me, right? And so that's why I think it's so powerful. And I really love that you have that effort because there's no shortage of leadership and business podcasts full of men. So for you to make that effort to bring in women, I just, it really means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to your listeners. Well, thanks. And and I I have to tell you, it means a lot to me because it enriches these podcasts at the point. I had had a couple of women on last week that they are so good. Mm -hmm. They're so amazing that I'm, I'm going to tell you a secret. Don't tell anybody this, Jessica. So we'll just hope that the guys that were on my podcast, I'm moving them up in the schedule because they were so good. I can't just, you know, I've got to have them on sooner. They were amazing. Yeah, that's so great. Thank so you. I love it. I love it. So you, you, you started this business. You're, 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 you're running it now. And, you know, I've got to think that even with this pandemic, it's been freaking awesome for you because it, the, nothing really slows down. There's more opportunity, which is great. Is that a fair statement? Yes. We've had our best year All ever. Right. So um, if you could write yourself a letter, Jessica, and I can, we can only go back. I have a lot of podcast guests. They say, if you could write yourself a letter 20 to 30 years back, well, that's too long <laughs> for you. if you could, if you could write yourself a letter seven years okay. ago, what would you have told the Jessica of 2013 that you would like her to hear? What would you have liked her to hear so that other people that might be starting their business, you, what you've learned in the last seven years that you could help them understand how to accelerate this development as leaders and entrepreneurs? I mean, to be honest, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast talking about leadership, but I would have told myself seven years ago to really buckle down and do more leadership training and development. And 
this is coming from someone I studied leadership in college. I've always had an interest and a knack for leadership, but the leadership that it takes to grow a business with a team is is nothing like you know the leadership experience that I had before. And I I focused a lot on marketing. I focused a lot on service delivery, but not a lot on leadership in the early years. And I think that would have moved the business forward even faster is if I did more development around being a leader for my team. Yeah. So what you said is, is, is a fascinating part of the conversation I often have is if you want to learn what to do, read a book and you you read the book and people then think, Oh, mm-hmm. intellectually, I've got this, right. I, I, I understand this, but emotionally and interpersonally to be able to apply it in the how in the moment is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what you, you said, well, I, I took a leadership course in college. I should know how to do this. Right. Uh, right? No. Yeah. Learning how, uh, and I, I often use the, the analogy or metaphor or whatever the right thing is. I'll have to ask my producer one day on, on which that one is. But anyway, the, the metaphor that I often use is, is like, you know, that if you have appendicitis, you need to cut your appendix out. Well, you know what to do. I need to cut it out. Well, why don't you do that? Well, that's, that's crazy. Hand the scalpel to your, to your spouse has ask your spouse to cut it out. Would you do that? <laughs> if they're not a surgeon, I wouldn't. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's the point is you would want somebody that has the training to do it. And the problem in leadership and management, whether it's entrepreneurial or in bigger companies is we put people in these leadership positions or we end up in a leadership position like you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we hand you the scalpel of leadership and the employee is on the operating table and you start to operate without any experience. And the problem is, is it's not the manager that dies. It's not the entrepreneur. It's the employee. Yes. A hundred percent. This, this resonates. It, I'm sure it resonates with everyone with the team. I mean, we, we are learning as we, and sometimes we even say that to my team, like, guys, I'm figuring this out as I go, you know? <laughs> so, oh, but now that's your, that's, but that's your authenticity value. That is. That's okay. Be vulnerable. You say, I don't know what to do right now. And and what does your team do when you say that? Well, I don't know if it makes them feel any better, but I always, you know, we're actively learning, right? So we, I mean, we had a conversation today with our, with our, our, our manager and, uh, you know, who's our direct report and, we made a mistake, right? We did not fully lead him and that led to a breakdown. And so we come, we, uh, I don't know if coming clean is the right word, but we say, Hey, you know what? We failed you as a leader and here's what we're doing to make it right. And here's what we're going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again. So it's constantly cleaning it up and doing better. So I think that's where our authenticity comes in. Cause I don't want to just be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Cause we're in development where we're always learning, but I think that's important. I think for people to see that their leaders aren't perfect. We are figuring it out and we're clear with them that, Hey, here's how we're figuring it out. <laughs> well, so what you said is really, really important because you may not know the exact thing to do at this moment, but what you do know and have faith in is the process of engaging everybody in problem solving and coming up with a way to get better. Number one, number two is the acceptance of part of the responsibility. Yes. That we're not blaming or dumping on our employees because our ego says I have to be right. Mm-hmm. That's why the first value of leadership is humility. Yes. How am I contributing to this problem? And that's what I heard you say. And that is huge. I'm going to say it again, because for leadership, we have to have the humility, the modesty to accept our part 
of the responsibility of the problem. And, and I was just talking to the president of a company uh, uh, just a few minutes ago before we got on this podcast. And he was talking about doing a debrief when things go wrong and the leader stepping up in that debrief and saying, this is how I'm responsible for this going wrong. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. We talk about the the mirror concept. Everything is a mirror, right? So if, you know, with this particular breakdown we had, it's too fresh. I'm not going to share the details, but right. you know, that's okay. We, you know, we said our, our leader that we're managing went into a conversation with a team member without clarity. And, you know, first as a human, you're just like, come on, just do it better. And my partner and I, we, we said to him, we failed you. We were not clear with you on how to do it. We didn't role play with you. And here's how we're going to make that right. It's a mirror of, of everything that's happening in the team is a mirror of you and your leadership. So how did you solve that one going forward with this person? Do it without, you don't have to go into a lot of details, but what's the process of, of, fixing that going forward. Yeah. I mean, the first thing Margie wrote up a Google doc and like literally wrote from top to bottom, everything about this particular policy that we had implemented that wasn't clear. So that was step one. And step two is we got on zoom and we talked it out verbally because stuff gets a little, there's upsets that are created when it's all written in text. And then we said, listen, come to us. We'll talk to you before the conversation. We'll talk to you after and we'll role play it. Let us know what you need to be prepared. Yeah. So I love, um, Brene, Brene Brown talks about this in her latest book, uh, Dare to Lead. And I love the simple concept is whatever you're doing is to be able to ask the person once we supposedly have clarity, what does done look like? Hmm. You know, and, and just say, okay, so when you go through this, what does done look like? What you, because the words on a page, the words by themselves don't have meaning until we define those words. And that's what you just said. You went through a process. We write it out. We have a conversation. We define the words. I'm going to guess, maybe, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there and you tell me if this is true or not, that when you and Margie and this person talked about it, there were a few words in there that were defined differently and and he sees them differently than you see them than Margie. And once you define them, you say, you know what, we might use a different word. Let's use this word because that one makes more sense with the intent of what we're trying to get across. So I, I love it. You followed a process of clarity, engagement, seek to understand. Yes. Going through it and a process of before, during and after to debrief it, to see how we're doing as we go forward with the policy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's our, it's our core value of integrity. And for us, integrity is you put a word in what you're going to do and you you do what you're going to say, you say what you're going to do. And if you mm-hmm. break down, you make it right. You communicate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's, that's great stuff. Well, is there any final advice that you might have for uh, all of these leaders, entrepreneurs, presidents, CEOs of companies that, uh, have these small businesses that uh, is the backbone of our country? What what other final thoughts would, might you have, Jessica? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to just call back to two things we talked about with the meditation. The one thing I want to add is we've also done a lot of personal development, transformation work. I went through uh, Landmarks Curriculum for Living, which has a whole course in leadership. So doing a lot of personal development work. I mean, surprise, surprise, if you have a bad relationship with your mom, you're probably not going to be able to show up, for example, in business. So it's like cleaning up everything in your personal life, I think is really, really important. And then just taking responsibility. Always take responsibility because it's easy to point fingers and be like, they failed or they messed up, but always take responsibility because if your team failed, it's because you failed them first. Yeah. But I I hate that. (laughs) I don't want it to be my fault. I don't want it to be my fault. You know, and in fact, uh, let's go to the next level of that mm-hmm. and not 
make it anyone's fault, mm-hmm. right? We can take responsibility, be held accountable without having to blame someone for it because we have this thing, somebody, we got to blame somebody. Right. No, we have a shared responsibility in this. And the only thing that we can do, and we'll finish with this thought, no matter what we did yesterday, yesterday will never change. We can only be in the moment today and say, the next time I face this, the next time I'm going to do better. And that's all we can do is the next time, right? Yes. I love that. So Jessica, thank you so much for being our guest today. I really appreciate your thoughts, your insights. And uh, I know that uh, people have learned a lot. And for those small businesses that don't have core values, uh, maybe they ought to get some. You know, because it does drive how you first hire. And that's the most important thing that you can do is hiring the right people. So, Jessica, how can people get a hold of you? We'll put some contact information for your your uh, email address and contact information in the show notes. But how could people get a hold of you if they if they need some information around podcasting? Yeah. So we are most active in our Facebook group, which is called Guest Expert Profit Lab. So we would love for you to join us there. Shortcut is to go to interviewconnections.com slash group, and that'll take you to our Facebook group. Great. And we'll put that in the show notes. Thank you. There we go. Thank you, Jessica Rhodes. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thanks, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thank you for listening to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care and be well. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.